Welcome back to my so-called midlife podcast. I'm Jennifer, and this is episode 137. Update on the vacuum that I talked about last week. I got it early last week and, of course, had to use it right away. I had to try it out. Now, it was only a couple of days since I had last vacuumed, so there wasn't a whole lot of hair that had collected on the stairs, but it worked great. It, it's just a, a small little handheld I think it's a Bissell, but it has a um, a pet hair attachment on it, and it looks like it's like it's rubber and it's got like the like little nubs on it, you know. So I don't have to like scrub like I used to with my old vacuum and that attachment. It works great, and you know now I don't have to put this task off anymore because. I don't hate it as much as I used to, or more importantly, I don't fear it as much as I used to. So, I mean, I love anything that's going to make my life easier, but it only costs $25. So definitely worth the the cost for sure. And then after that, I'm still reading a lot. I finished another Dean Koontz book and I really liked this one too. It's called Devoted. I think it's one of his new newer ones. If you love dogs as much as I do, you will love this book. And I I noticed like in the last probably I'd say 10 years or so, um Kuntz has been incorporating dogs or animals into his stories a lot more, you know, as kind of like uh, an assistant to the hero of the story. And I've always kind of loved that. But I was reading it uh, this past week and, you know, there are just parts in there that are so touching, you know, when it when it comes to a human's relationship, specifically with their dog, you know, I mean, all pets are great. But this one was focused specifically on the human dog relationship. And I mean, there were times I was reading it where I was just crying, you know, just and it wasn't particularly sad. It was just um, poignant, I guess. And, you know, at some point I started to think like, wow, this book is really (laughs) having a pretty big emotional impact on me. And then I realized that uh, I was very close to the anniversary of saying goodbye to Gracie. And even though I hadn't consciously made that connection to her (laughs) crossing over the Rainbow Bridge date, um, it's, you know, just like sister number three always says, the heart remembers, you know, even when the brain doesn't, the body and the heart always remember. So um, it was good timing. And, you know, got to, I was thinking a lot about her, of course, uh, especially over the weekend. And, and I miss her a lot. I don't know if I will ever have another dog. I mean, my hope is maybe if I'm ever living in a place where, you know, I have a great big backyard for them to enjoy, then, you know, possibly I'm open to it, but um, not right now. Me and the cats, we're we're pretty happy. <laughs> TV podcast recommendations. No new podcasts this week. I did watch some good TV, though. 
First, I watched the new Wham! documentary on Netflix. I loved it. (laughs) It made my little 13-year-old heart so happy and then so sad. I mean, I not only because of, you know, George Michael, uh, but I loved sort of reliving the music and remembering, you know, this this huge crush and love that I had for them. You know, I was a bit of a fanatic at that age. But also those days, that time in my life was not a happy time. And so all those memories are kind of intermingled. You know, um, it was it was emotional to watch. But I, I really, I was so in love with George Michael that I did not notice until this documentary how beautiful Andrew Richley is. I mean, even to this day, I Googled him. He is still quite handsome. I just didn't notice because George's light was so bright. And but watching the documentary, I was like, oh, my gosh, how did I not notice this beautiful man? But also what I didn't realize until I watched that was Wham! was only a group for four years. And, you know, because I lived in the States, I really only knew about them for two years. You know, I think it was uh, Wake Me Up Before You Go-Go. I think that was the, you know, my first exposure to them. That came out in 84. And Wham! or George went out on his own in 86. I mean, definitely during those two years, I went back and I listened to like their first album and fell in love with Young Guns and all that, you know. But I didn't realize until watching this that essentially they were, Wham! was only a part of my life for two years. I, it's so hard because they felt like they made such an impact. It, it's still it's still hard to believe it was only two years. And I know this probably won't have widespread interest, but if, if you're about my age and you also loved Wham! as much as I did, I do, uh, you will love this documentary. It is really well done. The only criticism I have is I wish there was more in-person interviews. It's Andrew talks a lot during the documentary, but you never see him. It's all it's all voiceovers. And I, I wish there had been more actual on camera interviews with him. But but, you know, other than that, really well done. Loved it. I also watched another documentary. This one was on Hulu. Do you guys remember a while back, I told you about a podcast called Betrayal? It was the one that was about the two-time teacher of of the year, Spence Heron, who turned out to be, well, a scumbag, basically. Um, But this documentary is basically the podcast in documentary format, and it's also called Betrayal. And even though I was familiar with the story from the podcast, there's something about seeing Jennifer Spence's wife kind of talk about everything that happened that was really 
impactful, like more so than just listening to the podcast. This guy, he is a dirt bag. And the other thing that I watched, and I think I'm probably the last person in the world to watch it, was Jury Duty on Prime. This is so good. I don't know what took me so long to watch this. I think it might have been on a channel or an app that either I don't have or I wasn't interested in getting like just for this program, but now it's on Prime and it's available commercial free if you are a Prime member. If you haven't watched it, you should. It is so good. So the premise is a group of people are called for jury duty and they're all told that they they're asked to be a part of this documentary that's going to be made and it's highlighting the jury duty process. But the entire thing is fake. Everyone but one person, Ronald, is an actor. But Ronald doesn't know that. He has no idea. And eventually he becomes the four person and he takes his responsibility very seriously. This was so good. I actually was not sure. Like when I heard about the premise, I thought it was going to be a little bit too reality TV. And I really wasn't sure. It is not. It It's funny. At times it is sweet. But I think the only reason why this didn't have that kind of gross, fake reality TV feel is because... Ronald is just a really good person. He is sweet and earnest and funny. I mean, like, if, if say, like, The Office was an actual documentary, he's the gym. Like, there are times when, you know, the actors, unbeknownst to Ronald, would say something, and you would see him, like, sort of just out of frame, laughing, <laughs> and what they were saying was not a joke. Like they're they're saying like they're making some kind of honest, you know, confession about themselves. And you would kind of see him laughing or sometimes you would see him like sort of look at the documentary crew, you know, like kind of checking like, did, did, did you guys just <laughs> did you guys hear that? <laughs> and even though James Marsden, who plays himself, he's very good. He's one of the, the, the jury members. If Ronald had been a jerk this would have been a completely different show. There's eight episodes. They're about a half an hour each. All episodes are available ad-free on Prime. I binged it uh, in one evening. I loved it. I, of course, immediately texted Sister Number 3 because I knew this would be a show she would like too. And I was like, if you haven't watched it, you should. And she's like, yeah, I watched it. I loved it. So if you haven't watched it, you should. It's really good. All right, guys. Now that you're all caught up by my week, let's get into this week's topic. We're back. So I saw an article on Yahoo last week, and it was talking about one of the latest TikTok food trends called Girl Dinner. It was originated by a TikToker named Olivia Mahar, who posted a picture of a small plate of food. And it included things like, I think it had like, pickles, cheese, bread, and she posted a picture of it with the hashtag girl dinner. Basically, it was like a small char charcuterie board for one. 
And of course, the TikTok world went crazy for it, like it was a totally new idea. First of all, if you've ever eaten a solo meal, whether you're single or just get a rare night alone without spouse and kids, you've had this meal. It's not new. One of the reasons I don't have TikTok is because I feel too old for it. And I see enough of it on Instagram Reels to know that it's not really for me. But also, I get annoyed when I see Gen Zers acting like they created something that Gen X or boomers have been doing for decades. If I see another 20-something rolling their cuffs as if they've come up with something revolutionary, it just makes me angry. And I don't want to be that Xer who is constantly in the comments like, you can thank Gen X for that. I can remember when I was like uh, probably 13, 14, 15, somewhere around there, I can remember like rolling my jeans and my dad looking at me and saying, oh, that's coming back. We used to do that when I was in high school. The older I get, the more I realize, maybe aside from technology, there are no new trends. Everything's already been done. And just like charcuterie boards weren't new, we just called them something different. We called them snack platters or hors d'oeuvres. The biggest difference, I guess, would be that snack platters were served before dinner instead of being dinner. A girl dinner can be comprised of anything as long as none of the ingredients requires cooking. Raw vegetables, cheeses, breads or crackers, fruit, even leftovers, as long as they don't require reheating. Whatever you like. The portions are smaller because it's meant to be a meal for one. TikTok food trends, they're not anything new. Some of them have been really great. Remember the dish of baked feta with tomatoes and pasta? I made that. I loved it. It was really good. Or recently there was one where you use hash browns instead of toast for your avocado toast. I haven't tried that, but I'm pretty sure I would love that too. I mean, what's not to love about hash browns in place of bread for anything? An egg sandwich using hash browns? That sounds delicious. Or another one that I tried, the grinder hoagie. And there's a newer version of this called the chopped sub. It's really good. When when I made it, and I think with the with the chopped sub, it's like different deli meats, you know, lettuce, tomato, onion, whatever. You chop it all up on the board all together, mix in some mayo or, you know, um, red wine vinegar, salt and pepper, whatever. The difference between that and the grinder hoagie was uh, the grinder hoagie, you kind of left out the deli meats and chopped up all your vegetables and then added it to the sub. I'm, when I made it, I just used different vegetables because even though I'm a carnivore, my favorite sub is a veggie sub. And that also happens to be my favorite pizza. I don't know why. But when I made it, I chopped up lettuce, onion, banana peppers, cucumbers, pickles, olives, like basically whatever vegetable I had. And then I tossed it with some mayo and some vinegar and some salt and pepper. And I stuffed that all into a toasted hoagie roll with melted provolone cheese. It was phenomenal. 
It was so good. I ate a lot of those last summer. And then on TikTok more recently, you've probably noticed the cottage cheese craze. Now I know cottage cheese is not for everyone. You either love it or you hate it. I happen to love it. And you you have to remember two important things. I was a fat kid, always seeing the adult women in my life on diets. And I was raised in the 70s. So I've been a huge fan of cottage cheese for as long as I can remember. So when I saw that it was trending, you know, as some kind of new super diet food, I thought, where have y'all been? Cottage cheese has been a thing for as long as I can remember. But recently, it's had a bit of a resurgence. You know, you kind of see it everywhere. People putting it on toast, crackers, bagels, you know, maybe putting a little bit of everything but the bagel seasoning on it. I saw one and I tried it where it was cottage cheese on wasa crackers. And if you don't know what wasa crackers are, I just think cardboard. I mean, that's pretty much what they are. So cottage cheese, wasa crackers, sliced tomato, salt and pepper. It was delicious. And I don't usually like tomatoes. That's how much I love cottage cheese. So many, um, you know, having seen so many of the TikTok food trends and trying a few myself, I wasn't surprised that so many people jumped on the girl dinner trend, even though just like many of the other trends, the concept isn't new. You know, there's been thousands of women posting their version of girl dinner, and there seems to be some rules, you know, when arranging your plate that take it just from like eating a bunch of snacks to a more elevated girl dinner, especially if you plan on posting a picture of it. The plate must be artfully arranged and the ingredients should be somewhat of a treat, you know, maybe an expensive cheese or imported olives or figs because seeing and eating it has to be more of an experience than, you know, just eating something quick and easy while standing next to the open deli drawer of your refrigerator. I have to admit, I kind of love everything about this. The whole idea of making yourself a special plate of whatever snacks you love and then maybe taking it outside to the patio to enjoy while reading a book or looking through a magazine drinking the beverage of your choice. It's the kind of thing I used to dream about doing when I was a kid. The one day when I'm an adult, I'm going to eat snacks for dinner kind of dream. There's something so grown up and freeing about it. So I definitely get the appeal. And from what I've read, most people agree. On a night when you know you're going to be dining alone, whether it's a nightly thing or a rarity, it's a nice thing to do for yourself every once in a while to make it a little special. You know, it's a, it's a little bit of self-care. And that's the whole point. It's not meant to be your dinner for every night. It's an occasional treat. But just as with everything, there are people who hate the whole idea of girl dinner. Almost immediately after others started posting their pics, they received criticism 
They had comments on their posts such as, all these girl dinners seem suspiciously low in calories, or since when did a snack become a meal? There were even experts who weighed in. Chase Bannister, who is the senior VP of an organization that specializes in the treatment of eating disorders, said, quote, I worry that the perfectly sized, perfectly presented girl eating this food is, is supposed to look like. Bannister said, underneath this trend, there are roots of misogyny that are really concerning to me as a clinician and added, quote, what makes the food girl food? Um, I don't know. Maybe because it was a girl who originated the hashtag? I mean, I guess she could have called it person dinner or solo dinner. But ask yourself, do you know a lot of men who eat this way? Or is it mostly women? I personally don't know any man who eats this way. I'm not saying that there aren't. I just don't know them. But the majority of women I know do eat this way and have for decades. Maybe it's because I'm old, but sometimes a snack plate is just a snack plate. I can say personally, when I have basically snacks for dinner, whether it's cheese, olives, and bread, or like last week when I had the turkey jerky and cheese, I don't consider that a diet plate or low in calorie, even if it includes a scoop of cottage cheese on the side. I see it kind of like a cheat meal. I get to eat whatever I want, and I don't have to cook. That's a win-win for me. More criticism was thrown in by Chelsea Cronengold, who has a master's in clinical psychology with expertise in body image, eating disorders, and the impact of social media. Cronengold said, quote, it's almost a humble brag in a way to show off that you're not eating that much, end quote. And had even more criticism because most of the girl dinner posts contain high-end ingredients, which may not be accessible to some people. Cronengold said, quote, there's a lot of privilege that comes along with girl dinners, especially if the meals are more expensive, end quote. Well, I guess on a certain level, I get that. But here's the thing. You get to decide what goes on your girl dinner plate. And even better, there's no rule that says you have to post it. So if you're like me and you can't afford the triple creme brie and imported figs, just do what I do and use cheddar cheese and grapes. Although grapes have gotten pretty expensive too. But raisins are cheap. The original, uh, the originator of the girl dinner TikTok, she has faced so much backlash that she had to come out and apologize. Olivia Mahara said she never meant to harm when she posted what she was eating that night because she was going to be eating alone and didn't feel like making an entire traditional meal, adding girl dinner is about eating what you need. Another important note is that even though you might look at someone's girl dinner and think, oh, that's not enough food for one person, you don't know what else they've eaten that day. And also, 
this isn't their dinner every night. Like, for example, the reason I ate turkey jerky and cheese for dinner last week was because, one, I had a late lunch, and two, that late lunch consisted of a lot of pizza. And also, when I had the turkey jerky, it was almost 9 p.m., and I didn't want to go to bed on a full stomach. Really, the best part of girl dinner or snack plate dinner is that you get to decide what goes on your plate, which also happens to be a great metaphor for how to live your life. And I guess that's my whole point. Trends are fun to watch and try, but there's nothing that says you can't put your own spin on it. Because it kind of seems that no matter what we do, there will be someone to quickly point out that we're doing it wrong. Or that other thing we do, you know, like when we take that moment, you know, and, and we put it up, whatever that moment is, what, and when we put it up on social media, it kind of opens us up to any comment, right? Like we might look at, or conversely, we might look at someone else's one moment and think that we can make a total judgment on who they are as a person. And neither of those things are true. But I guess that's what the price we pay when we post to social media. Whatever your reasons for posting, I imagine most of the time, it's something positive. You know, it's it's a happy moment. It's Maybe a funny or silly pick, or maybe you're just kind of feeling yourself that day. But once you post it, along with the likes and any nice comments you may get, you're also leaving yourself open to criticism. So have snacks for dinner, or don't. Post a picture of it, or don't. The choice is yours. All right. I'm going to wrap up this week's episode. Thanks for coming back for episode 137. Don't forget, join the Facebook group, my so-called midlife podcast, and like the Facebook page, my so-called midlife podcast. Follow me on Instagram at my so-called midlife podcast. If you like the podcast, tell your friends and then tell them to listen. The second part is the important part. If you have questions, if you have topic suggestions, email me at my so-called midlife podcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Until next time. Love you. Bye.